Hey guys, welcome to the Deep Bible Studies Podcast, where we discover, explore, examine, and practice the Word of God. I am your host, Claudia Rivera Guevarez, and so today we will be going through John 6, 60 through 71, part 2. So let's get started. The Words of Eternal Life. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? So a couple episodes ago, I read 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 31, which is my favorite passage up there, very up there. But it was explaining that the world thinks that the message of the cross is foolish. But today, in regards to this verse, let's take it forward. The message of the cross is not only foolish, but it's offensive. This message confronts sinners, telling them that they are sinners and actually explaining why that is bad. We explain God's character in accordance to what his word says, his word, not ours. The fact that God is all holy, he is all just so he can't just forgive sinners. And yes, he is loving because he loves, therefore he hates. He is righteous and hates sin. Therefore, sinners deserve punishment in slavery to sin and dead in sin. So no, the message of the cross says that God is so good and he is so just and he is so holy that he cannot just forgive sinners in exchange for his character. It is like this analogy that I heard from Paul Washer, which he explained, you come home one night to see all of your family dead and the murderer is standing right in front of you. So you take him to trial and the judge tells the murderer, I am such a merciful and loving judge that I'm going to let you go. That is not a loving judge. This man is just corrupt. So God doesn't exchange his love for justice. His love is just and his justice is love. So when we explain the reality of God and the fact that sinners are condemned, and that's basically the whole problem of the Bible, just like God is so good, he can't forgive sinners. So when they remain in their sin, that is absolutely offensive to the world that you tell them that we will be canceled. It is promised. When we explain that only through the death of a man that is God who incarnated himself to live the life that we couldn't live, and he bore the punishment that we deserve unto death being an innocent man, this isn't only foolish, but in the 21st century, this is ridiculous. That is why we will never be loved by the world. Good, because if we are, something is definitely wrong. So we're going to be called these cruel things because we stand firm in the truth of God, and the word has truths that are not twistable or malleable. Marriage is made between a man and a woman. The tearing of limbs of a child inside of the womb and out of the womb is an abomination, not a freedom. That justice is God alone, not ours, and that Jesus is not here to support you in all of your actions and be your cheerleader. When we say that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life, and that anyone who comes to him will know the Father alone, when we don't progress in the worldviews and we are seen as stupid, rude, and horrible people, if they hated our Savior and remain to, they will hate us. That's not a question. But we will not hate the blind and the lost. We will allow the message of God to come between joint and marrow. We stand in truth, but we never leave the compassion and love that God himself has for these people. Like Katie from my public school ministry says, let my message be offensive, but not my character. The church's message and the character of the church abides in our Lord's message and character, not parting even a bit. That is why it shouldn't surprise you that even his own disciples deserted him. 
seeing that the healings and the provisions was all they'd wanted, not him. This isn't surprising that the world hates Jesus and further hates his people, but that does not mean that he hated them. He died for them. But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe in him and who it was who would betray him. I mean, he knew their hearts. So verse 65 says, and he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. I've mentioned this quote from A.W. Tozer a couple of times, um, but I'm going to mention it again because I think it's important. He says, the impulse to pursue God originates with God. As I have said before, it is not a simple prayer. It is a brokenness over sin, a repentance, and truly trusting the Savior. And that means departing and being transformed from everything you have been before and hating sin and loving the Savior. So verse 66 says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So let's look at Matthew 10, 21 through 22, which I have read millions of times on this podcast, but we're going to read it again. Brother will deliver brother over to death and the father, his child and children will rise up against their parents and have them put to death and you will be hated for my name's sake. And this is very important, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. So we have talked about the true persevering faith many times on this podcast, but again, we're going to talk about it. I read the commentary of this passage by Charles Spurgeon that says, We believe the truth of the final perseverance of the saints concerning the true people of God. But the question comes to our heart, are we such? Is there in us an incorruptible seed that lives and abides in our hearts forever? And how are we to know that we are such but by this perseverance? While it is an effect of grace, it is also one of most certain tokens of it. For there is not true grace of God in the heart where there is no perseverance in grace, even unto the end. So this is clearly seen to the obedience that roots in complete and utter trust and dependence upon God's grace. We don't like that word in the 21st century, obedience, but that's a product. That is part of it. When God delivered the Israelites from Egypt, he said, I have redeemed you, so now here are my commands. You see, he reconciled us, and what comes after that with transformation is obedience. But again, that obedience is delighting in the trust of what he has done. So we're running this race, it's lifelong. It never stops until we are with him. And with perseverance, there will be such fruits that will distinguish those who are in the grace of God from those who neglect it. So the fruits, we will see these in Galatians 5, which says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh, but the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from going to the things that you want to do. You see conviction right then and there. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, 
rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I have warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited provoking one another envying one another so these are not natural to us conceived in iniquity how could they be i mean it makes sense that they're not natural to us look at the world yet he paid the fine in him we persevere and are declared holy he makes us holy as we are denying these desired things from the beginning and the holy spirit convicts us oh how he can fix the sensitive heart let me attest to that pray for that pray that he may convict you and make your heart so sensitive to his conviction this leads to such a deep repentance and a flourishing of a slow but a fruitful branch and jesus said this is what shows that we are not the world's but that we are his and he is in us and we see that in john 15. he provided how a passage i love and constantly also go back to hebrews 12 specifically verses 1 through 17 says it says therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses speaking about faith from hebrews 11 let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have endured. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which you have participated, then you are an illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them but he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness for the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it therefore lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight the paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed Strive for peace with everyone, for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no roots of bitterness spring up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. 
that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought with tears. Looking to Jesus is what this passage says is so beautiful. Christ lived the unblemished perfect life, and his death and resurrection he credited to his people. He reconciled to us. And I love how A.W. Tozer puts it in The Pursuit of God, which I'm currently paraphrasing, but he says something along the lines of how simple God has made it for us. There are no methods, just his word to guide us, to teach us about him and his character, command us, reveal our sin and his grace. And he has given us prayer that he might know us and that we might know him, that we might praise him and speak with him and repent and ask him and ground ourselves in the truth of his word. Do not waste time and think that tomorrow you will be able to open up your Bible and pray. Instead, discipline yourself. Ask for desire and love for his word and do this every day, rejecting sin. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, who shall we go to? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Whom shall we go to? Just like Peter asked in this, ask yourself the question. The world is withering. The days are evil. Carnal pleasures only are temporary, and they run out just like time does. What could possibly be your foundation? Yourself, people, none of us are enough. Money, materialism, it runs out, and if it doesn't, it's corrupt. You have the words of eternal life, says Peter. Think about this. This is God. I mean, the only eternal God. He is incredible in every which way, and mankind rejects him for ruling themselves and to fulfill their own heart's desires, which causes all the depravity we see today. And yet, even the heavenly beings cannot fathom his holiness, for he is God. Jesus is all worthy of praise, blessing, and honor, and glory. Where shall we go to? Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet, one of you is the devil. So in this, we see that Jesus states his sovereignty in their staying because he chose them. They didn't choose him. He spoke of Judas of the sign of Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. You can find more information on our website, www.deepbiblestudies.com, where you will also find the calendar to go along with the book that we will be studying. You can also find us on Instagram, at Deep Bible Studies, and Facebook, where you can know every single time we post a new podcast. Also, we have an email, contact at deepbiblestudies.com, where you can ask us any questions and we will be sure to get back to you. I hope you have a wonderful day and see you next time.